little stat for you to get your day started. Your favorite hockey team, which has won five in a row and is on a 10-2-1 roll, has a 15-8-5 record. And within that, they've beaten three of the NHL's four first-place teams, Capitals, Maple Leafs, and Ducks. What does that mean? Probably not that much right now, but I'm going to go at it anyway. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Penguins will be back on the ice today for practice in Cranberry. Back in action tomorrow night against the Sabres at PPG Paints Arena. And it's a good chance, I think, to step back and look at where this team is overall. And I have to preface that by saying that we have no idea because they've yet to be anywhere close to full strength. And you can't always just extrapolate and say, well, if they're this good now, imagine how good they'll be when Evgeny Malkin, Jake Gensel, and Brian Rust are back because there's mitigating circumstances to that. Everyone has to buy into the way the team is currently playing. And yes, in parentheses, you always put Gino there in all caps. Everyone has to have the same feeling of the word I'm looking for here, worth to the process. It, that can't be diminished. To give you an example here, we've seen the way Evan Rodriguez, Danton Heinen, Brock McGinn have all stepped up and contributed. Well, they've stepped up in the context of having to step up. They've had a little bit more ice time. They've had a little bit more power play time. They have an awareness that they're needed to score. They're not just going to go out there over the boards and kill off 45 seconds and hope that Sid and Gino get all the goals. There's a different mindset whenever players are injured, and you know you have to score. You know that more eyes are on you if you don't score. It won't just get missed along the way. What if they fall back to career norms? What if the goaltending stops being, you know, exactly what it's been, particularly with Tristan Jari? So you can't just say, here's what they are now and add these three players. Doesn't work like that. However, however, I do believe that a compelling case, a richly compelling case, can be made that this team is a lot better than a lot of people expected. Here's what Sid had to say Tuesday night after the win against the Canadians on this subject. Well, I think I think we rely a lot on our work ethic. You know, I think that's one thing that you know, you've seen is, um, you know, we check really well. You know, we have speed. And uh, when we play that way, we're tough to play against. We don't give up a lot. And, you know, for that reason, it, it translates into wins. But, 
I know if we're if we're not playing like that, things change pretty quickly. So I think it's it's good to get rewarded for playing the way we feel like can give us success. But there's also been some times where we've gotten away from that, and uh, we're a much different team. So I think just just building on that, having the confidence to know that if, if we play the right way, we give ourselves a good chance. That's probably the biggest takeaway, I think. See, he gets it. I mean, Sid always gets it, but he gets this specifically. He gets that the Penguins' success is completely conditional. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. That component, the success being conditional, and everyone on the roster, and everyone on the coaching staff, and everyone in management accepting that it's conditional is critical to where this team goes from here. My own feeling is one of optimism that I hadn't experienced, just talking about myself here, since I'd say the week before these past playoffs. I know that's not what you were expecting to hear, but I really thought a lot of that group. I thought a lot of their depth. I really thought a lot of them being entirely healthy other than Casey DeSmith. Little did I know that not having DeSmith would cause the ripple effect that it did on the goaltending when Tristan Jari couldn't handle it. But that's the last time I felt that good. Before that, I mean, I've got to go back to you know when. This team has as close to 100% of what you'd want out of a Mike Sullivan system type of team to have personnel-wise and character-wise. You've got more than enough forwards to rotate through and concoct a top six. Unapologetically so, either. I I don't mean that as if it's like, you know, got to be some haphazard creation. You have legitimate top six forwards on this team. You also have a potentially elite checking line, and as I went over on yesterday's episode, you have the makings of a pretty good fourth line. There's enough depth now for five of them. If Brian Dumoulin comes along, you've got yourself a top defense pair that's won championships. Dumo still has a little more to go. With the second pairing with John Marino and Marcus Pedersen, that's the one that really has to kind of rise up and be that that young duo that takes on the challenge and meets it. And the, the third pairing, you know, I'm not going to start bringing up Cody Cece again because Chad Ruedel's been pretty good, and Mike Matheson has just been Mike Matheson. He is exactly what he is. He's going to do what he did on the giveaway, and then he's going to do what he did a minute later, referring to Tuesday night, of course, against the Habs 
and scoring a wonderful goal after an overall excellent shift. That's just who he is. You'll curse and cheer him in the same breath. I'm not convinced that the Penguins couldn't do better, particularly in terms of right-handed defensive depth. But listen to what we're talking about here. You know, I just went through five forward lines and two and, I don't know, a quarter or a half on your defense pairings. And the goaltending has obviously been what it's been. That's a pretty good hockey team. That's a contending hockey team. If, as you heard Sid say, they do what it is that they're supposed to do. If they play the right way. If they play the way that's shown already this season multiple times that they can beat anybody by executing that style and not just doing it at the last second when the playoffs come along, but doing it as a matter of instinct, as if it's their nature. You'd like to think that by April, May, even June, they could do this as easily as they breathe. It's a good hockey team. It's as far as I'm going to take this. When we come back, just one question. Just one question that's brought to you always on this program by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And right now, Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this show a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Just go to FuboTV.com/dk. FuboTV.com/dk. And today's J1Q comes from Dave Frank, who asks, Ron Hextall hasn't been splashy, but has he really missed yet? Penguins are winning with a style that translates well to the postseason and getting some skill back from the IR. The biggest question is, will they buy in, right? Well, Dave, I'm not ready to let Hextall off the figurative hook here after a third of the NHL season. And I'm also not willing to just look at this past offseason's acquisitions and put them on his ledger because that would be leaving off the outstanding addition of Jeff Carter late last season. Big, big part of this hockey team. So has he missed? Well, he's made very, very few moves, as you note. And even when you get into the minor ones... Like, for example, you know, picking up Mark Friedman off waivers. He's been okay. You know, Friedman is a decent, whatever, spare part. You can throw out there and he can have himself a pretty good game like he did in that opening Florida trip, you'll recall. Especially the game in Sunrise. And then there's Carter. And then there's Heinen. And then there's McGinn. It's been a pretty good good, if modest, start to Hextall's tenure. However, however, it's never fair or accurate, 
I think, to just view the GM's work within the prism of the moves made. Because one of the factors that has to be taken into consideration as well is moves that weren't made. Moves that needed to be made, but weren't for whatever reason. And I'm also not going to let him off the figurative hook for potential losses that were allowed. In other words, you can look at all the acquisitions and say, check, 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 he nailed them all. But you'd be leaving out of the discussion losing two players in the expansion draft when only one needed to be lost. And then, of course, Jared McCann and Brandon Tanev getting off to really, really strong starts in Seattle. You could say the same thing about CeCe if you were obsessed with saying things about CeCe. So to an extent for me, it's been a little bit of a mixed bag. I can say, David, that in general, I applaud the more patient approach. I respect as much as anyone what Jim Rutherford was able to do here. He's got two more rings on his hand and now a shiny new job in Vancouver, not to mention the Hall of Fame plaque in Toronto to show what it is that he's achieved. But I really feel like at this point in the franchise's history, at this point in the tenure of Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, the whole core, that a much more, much more patient approach is merited. Because you can't just keep throwing the draft picks out the window You can't just keep making every single move for the moment. You can't keep making moves to compensate for daring moves that were misses beforehand. And you can't have anything remotely resembling a nose upturned to analytics. And Jim, he's one of those guys who's always said that he's He's open-minded to them and everything else here, but then he'll come right back with the obligatory phrase, uh, that's not where I'm looking to make my decisions. I appreciate that, too, without sending the dialogue here into a different direction. But Jim wasn't going to be the right guy at this time to try to win one more championship with this core. It was always going to have to be some kind of mix of getting a little lucky with some supporting cast members, like what we've seen with Rodriguez and Heinen this year. And by the way, in big parentheses here, Hextall should also get credit for bringing Rodriguez back when that was anything but perceived as a no-brainer on the outside, including by myself. So that was another one that really should go onto his ledger. All of that was needed. Patience was needed. Oh, and I'm going to throw in one more example of that patience that already has paid off, but might pay off in a much bigger way. And that's Hextall sticking by Jari. You know, Hextall and I had a a pretty good long talk about that in Toronto about three weeks ago. Just sitting there watching a morning skate together. And he told me about his feelings on 
on Jari, what his potential is, and how he could relate to a lot of what Jari was going through based on his own experiences as a goaltender, but also based on his experiences as a hockey executive who's dealt with and communicated with goaltenders one-on-one. Part of the beauty of having a GM who was a goaltender, and let's remember that Rutherford was as well, is that they can bypass a lot of people, and not even some head coaches can do that when it comes to talking about the position. Mike Sullivan will be the first one to tell you that he doesn't deal with goalies. He'll go to whoever his goaltending coach is, right now Andy Kyoto, of course, and work with them. Hextall doesn't have to do that. You know, all he has to do is uh, cue up uh, the 1987 Stanley Cup final in which he was so dominant in the Flyers' loss to those Oilers that he was the last player to win the Conn Smythe Trophy on a losing team, and he was that great. Anyway, I digress. Yes, he's done well. Yes, he could still do better. And yes, none of these assessments matter until you see if the GM achieves the ultimate objective. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Let's do another one tomorrow.